0: Welcome to the Littler Diversity and Inclusion Podcast, conversations related to the human resource challenges of an ever evolving workforce.
1: Welcome to Episode 4 of my Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Podcast Series, your Diversity and Inclusion Toolkit. My name is Elisha Asgard-Dotson, and I am a diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitator and a shareholder with Littler Mendelssohn, the largest management side labor and employment practice in the world. Happy New Year to you. With the holidays firmly behind us, I decided to throw our minds forward into the year to come. While 2020 was a year of challenge and tribulation, in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, perhaps 2021 can be a year of self-assessment and growth. Indeed, if you are an employer thinking about what you can do differently to take your D&I goals to the next level in 2021, you're not alone. That is the most common question that I have received in the last few weeks. Indeed, client after client has reached out to me to share their DE&I evolution stories from 2020. From unconscious bias training to listening sessions, many employers have addressed many of their 101-level DE&I needs that so badly needed attention in 2020. However, with a workforce that is hungry for more and a desire to continue onwards in their DE&I journey, employers are all asking more or less the same question. What's next? Now, what's next for your organization might be very different from what ought to be next for the company down the street. Nevertheless, I am going to suggest a few different arrows that you can place in your quiver over the course of our conversation today. If, after hearing the discussion in this episode, you think that you would like to hear more about these ideas, or if you would like to pursue some other avenue entirely, don't hesitate to shoot me or my guest an email or give us a call. Ah, yes. And my very special guest today is the office managing shareholder of the San Diego office, Littler shareholder, and overall lovely person, Michelle Pereno-Taylor. Michelle, like me, has developed a deep expertise in the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And together, we will outline all the ways in which you could continue your de journey in
0: 2021. Hello, Michelle. Hi, Elisha. It's so great to be here with you today discussing DE&I, obviously an area that received renewed focus in 2020, and a topic that is critical to so many organizations. So thank you so much for inviting me to this discussion today. Michelle, we are thrilled to have you, and you are so right. This is
1: such a topic of focus, so let's dive right in. Have you, like me, also heard clients asking about the next steps that they can employ in their DE&I programming this year?
0: Absolutely. And, and, you know, these requests have come in different forms. And I know that you and I have been, I think the term is essentially drinking from a fire hose (laughs) um, in our efforts to help organizations successfully take their next steps in their DE&I programming. I think the important part of this really is meeting those organizations where they are, right? Um, And I think There has been this renewed focus that we saw in 2020, I think gave employers and organizations uh, not only the opportunity to have a renewed focus on where they are with their DE&I efforts, but I also think it gave employers and organizations an opportunity to look at what's not working or what can be done better. And so as a result, I think that no one size fits all um, really rings true when it comes to DE&I. And I I think that was really showcased uh, last year and going on into this year, as employers and organizations look at their programming and also look at their workforces workforces who obviously were impacted significantly with the pandemic that we're still navigating with racial justice and equity issues that have been highlighted in our country, and and, and certainly were highlighted in 2020, but I think it's something that has been there, and I think that that focus and that renewed focus in that space has been a very important thing to many organizations as they look at their DE&I programs.
1: When I hear these questions that employers have for me, my first step is always to assess what my client has accomplished in 2020 and previously, just as you said, to assess what's worked and what can work better in 2021. So that helps us figure out where we might want to go next. However. After engaging in these conversations a few times over with various clients, I've come to notice a few commonalities in my suggestions for 2021, the suggestions that I'm making to folks who come to me. And amongst these suggestions is the creation of a diversity internship program that certainly seems to be top of mind, perhaps especially as employers are looking at the forthcoming summer very often. Clients in certain industries will worry that their recruitment efforts are stymied by the lack of diverse candidates. And developing an internship that fosters diversity, they think can help overcome that challenge and diversify the pipeline in all these different industries which have historically uh, had folks who are underrepresented in their ranks. Michelle. What do you think are some of the things that an employer should keep in mind as they develop an internship with a focus on
0: fostering diversity? You know, I think that this focus on developing internships is a critical component of a holistic approach to DEI. Oftentimes, organizations look at D, E, and I as a destination, right, versus an evolving journey, uh, perhaps a linear approach or something that has, that may, may have to be done versus something that really needs to be embedded in culture and an ongoing journey um, and more of a circular approach, if you will. And so part of that is constantly reassessing what can be done beyond the present moment and really taking a hard look at what, again, what is working and what's not working and how do you, how do you shift um, and how do you pivot from that? And so an area of focus and opportunity for many organizations to examine and really in looking at the different components of a workplace life cycle includes recruitment and retention and also engagement, right? And then finally, leadership. And as you look at that, I think part of it is going down the pipeline and depending on how far an organization is down the pipeline, seeing if internship programs are something that may help further increase your potential pool of of individuals that may join your organizations. Um, I think some really critical things, though, to consider in doing this is to ensure that you're not showing preference through an internship that is only open to individuals, you know, of a particular ilk, if you will. Um, I think it's important then to instead expand the pipeline which you recruit for your internships right that's what you're looking for you're looking for to you know diversity is to bring more folks into the fold right and so i think it's really important to look at your internship efforts as something of a growth opportunity and it's i think it's also important that you ensure that your internship applications advertisements and literature explicitly encourage members of diverse groups to apply without ensuring that preferences will be given to any individual because of their diversity. Again, with that overall focus and mission to expand your pool. Also, I think it's important to assess applicants for internships based on their commitment to diversity and inclusion and really the culture that you're trying to foster. So I think those are some important takeaways as organizations are looking to implement internship programs as part of their ever evolving DE&I programming. Michelle, I love all those suggestions and I particularly
1: love your takeaway about life and indeed evolutions of companies and individuals not being a linear process, but rather a circular process. I think it's particularly important for companies to feel comfortable in moving forth a few steps and then slowing down to reassess so that they can move the next few steps and not considering that in some manner a negative, but rather part of the uh, necessary process of evolution. So thank you for sharing that. You know what's great about this is that an employer that already has an existing internship program can relatively easily update their program to foster greater inclusivity in the future. Friends, if you are either an employer interested in developing an internship to foster diversity amongst your ranks, or wondering how to revamp an existing program, reach out to us at littler and we can walk you through the process michelle something fascinating that i recently came across in this space was the idea that a college level internship might in fact be too late to light that necessary spark in other words The pipeline may already be established by the time students reach college and there may simply not be enough diverse students in a particular field at the college level. A particularly creative client asked whether they could, instead of creating a traditional internship, partner with a local middle school or high school to help educate students about their field, which was architecture in that case, and light that spark early on.
0: What do you think about such creative ideas? I think that's a smart client. The further down the pipeline we focus, the better our future looks. Initiatives that create visibility to middle and high school students put words into action. In my opinion, and shows a real genuine focus by an organization on the future of a particular industry or profession. And we've all heard the phrase, you can't be what you can't see, right? And I think that that is really a testament to those organizations that are looking beyond the present moment and really cultivating what the future is going to look like. I will tell you personally in the legal profession and, and and my personal commitment is to have those touch points to individuals, not only in the legal profession as law students, but also those that are in, you know, middle school and high school and ensuring that, you know, they know what a lawyer looks like, what, you know, a lawyer does. Um, many of us don't have that perspective in our families when we go into the practice of law, for example, as an example. And so I think that that personal commitment by individuals and by organizations, I think does a real service to putting in the work to develop that pipeline. I think several organizations are also putting financial incentive, right? They're merging their industries, particularly those involving technology and innovation with our education system. You know, we've seen, again, the impact of the pandemic on certain groups disproportionately over other. And I think we're seeing business respond and I and, and that is um, a, a promising thing for our, our future and really does look at the long-term focus and really the legacy that an organization lives and plans to leave behind so not only do I think that that is a promising thing for you know when it comes to retention and recruiting long term but I also think it is a has a positive impact on culture. It shows where an organization is committed to. And as we know, I think, you know, the future generation of of our workforces, they value that. And I think that that's a good thing. Michelle, what you said about
1: you can't be what you can't see, that really resonates with me as a first generation lawyer myself as an immigrant and the first of my family to go to college in America. I couldn't visualize myself as an attorney until in my first job as a journalist after undergrad, I saw attorneys in action who looked like me. And so earlier, the better, I say. What a great idea. Now, while internships are fascinating and certainly a timely point of discussion, with the summer of 2021 looming ahead of us, they are not the only arrow that we wanted to add to employers' quivers today. If you have already conducted all the 101-level DE&I work, such as listening sessions, town halls, and base-level learning sessions to introduce concepts such as unconscious bias, bystander intervention, microaggressions, and stereotyping to your workforce, it may be time to slow down and conduct a deep self-assessment. And to do that, I suggest... You employers begin by reviewing your recruiting practices. Michelle, what are the top three questions you suggest employers
0: ask themselves to self assess their existing recruiting practices? I think organizations could really focus on three things the who, the where, and the how of what they're doing in this area. Let me, let me further drill down on that. So in terms of the who, I think it's important that organizations take a step back and look at who is involved in recruiting. And that doesn't just mean in the gatekeeper function, if you will, from the screening function. I think it's also important to take a look at who's involved in the interviewing process, right? Who's asking the questions and eliciting those responses that you are measuring these applicants against? And ultimately, who is the decision maker? Who is at the table making those decisions about who is going to be joining your organization? And is that a reflection of the diversity that you are trying to promote as an organization? So I think that's where, you know, we we address the who prong of this. The where. Where are you recruiting? I.e., do you always recruit from the same colleges, the same towns, the same places that have the same socioeconomic makeups? Although we've had... Beyond a challenging year, I think there have been some silver linings. And some of those silver linings include the ability to recruit well beyond your traditional perhaps circle of recruitment. More and more organizations uh, are looking beyond where they're located, right? And so as a result, one of the silver linings of all of this is that it really gives you an opportunity to branch out beyond your traditional recruiting circles. And then finally, the how. What questions are being asked? What follow-up is happening with candidates? And is the format working, right? The, the actual mechanics of what's being used to interview and to screen. Are you using a single interview process? Are you using panel interviews? Is there a benefit to having one over the other? I think it's also important to evaluate whether a hiring committee may be appropriate. And if you have a hiring committee, is it time to perhaps add new folks or rotate individuals out of that hiring committee to ensure that that makeup of the hiring committee, again, represents the diversity of your culture that you are trying to promote. So those are are really three takeaways when it comes to recruiting. You're so right about the value of consistency
1: in the interview process, including consistency in the panel that conducts the interviews and the questions that they ask candidates. For too long, topics such as those have been left to chance, allowing there to be too much differentiation between one candidate's experience vis-a-vis the others. Research, in fact, indicates that diverse panel interviewing paired with standardized questioning is one of the most effective ways to minimize bias during the interview process uh, and in the application process as well. And because recruitment is only half the battle, and frankly, incomplete without retention of that great talent you've just managed to bring aboard, I'd say that the third arrow in your quiver, employers, would be just that, an assessment of your retention practices. So, perhaps in 2021, you also slow down and shine that flashlight of reality on what your organization has been doing to support and foster its diverse talent within the leadership pipeline. Often, employers who put a lot of sweat equity into hiring a diverse palette of talented individuals can fail to engage in the second aspect of support. And within a few years, dissatisfied talent leaves the company, which in turn leaves an employer back at square one, trying to solve the problem of a lack of diversity within its ranks all over again. Michelle, what would you recommend for employers who want to strengthen their retention practices this year?
0: Well. You know, and I know I've been harping on this a bit, but I think a a real self-reflection, right, of what the organization's mission is in this space and where goals have been met and also perhaps looking at where goals may not have been met and why. And I think that is a really good starting point. I also think certainly areas of opportunity are including developing ERG groups, uh, employee resource groups that provide employees of different backgrounds and different life experiences and interests an ability to create a community um, within the workplace. And what I have seen uh, in terms of those ERG groups or affinity groups where their success is when there is one, a clear mission and two, true leadership involvement, right? So you've got members of the organization at the leadership level involved in the ERG or affinity group efforts, what I've also seen from you know a, a where employers and organizations are taking ERG groups is an effort to evolve those groups to really meet the needs and and again the the evolving workforce. And I've seen many ERG groups go from you know focused on a specific trait or or interest or background to really uh, focusing on creating allyship. And so I've seen this transition or evolution of ERG groups to ally networks. And I think those have been very, very well received. I think also making sure as an organization, you are committed at looking at what behaviors you're rewarding and why you're rewarding those behaviors, right? I think that is a good point of evaluation as you're looking at increasing and and focusing in on your workplace culture and your DE&I efforts. And then finally, I think making sure that your leadership actually embodies the ideals of DE&I and what the company is holding itself out to be. I think before you get started, I think having, again, a true self assessment of your leadership's commitment to DEI programming is important for multiple reasons. I think it ensures accountability on measuring success. I think it's also important to make sure that the authentic approach to this is there because having programming that could be perceived as window dressing, or perhaps something that's not consistent with the actual culture, I think can be really problematic for an organization. And so I think it's really important that organizations have a true self-assessment, not only of where they are, but also what their mission is in the space. Again, this is a journey, and it's a long journey. And part of that is having these check-ins.
1: Thanks, Michelle. You are so right. A successful DE&I program cannot just be espoused by a company. It has to be lived every day. I particularly like what you said about allyship networks, because it takes all the fish swimming in the same direction to move that net right? Um, I apparently watch way too many cartoons because that comes from one of my daughter's cartoons. Uh, but all these little fish, including fish that don't necessarily look alike, moving in the same direction to make a change. So that means the company's leadership and its rank and file must commit to de goals within and without the company. Importantly, this good retention practice also translates into a great recruitment tool when it is communicated to prospective candidates. Research has shown that customized communications to all candidates that showcase a company's ongoing diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives and authentically demonstrate the company's progress on those initiatives That generates positive opinions about an organization, particularly in the minds of historically marginalized groups, including different generational groups.
0: Absolutely. The workforce of the future is looking at culture and authenticity in what the organization says it is and whether it actually does more than talk the talk, but actually walk the walk. Authentic messaging is mission critical here. Agreed. Well, we have tackled just three of the potential
1: 102-level tools that your company can implement to continue its DE&I journey into 2021 and beyond. If you have any more questions about these issues or indeed about anything else in this space, don't hesitate to shoot me an email or give me a phone call. Michelle would be glad to hear from you as well. We will continue to unbox and demystify other DE&I concepts in future podcasts. So stay tuned and let me know if there's anything top of your mind that you would like me to tackle in a future podcast. But for today, thanks for listening and goodbye.